All right, let's do this. How are you? What the fuckers? What the fuck buddies? What the fucksters? What's happening? I'm Mark Marin. This is my podcast, WTF. Welcome to it. Welcome to the show. Uh, I'm recording this a little ahead of time, just so you know that it's not as fresh as usual. It's not as freshly baked as usual. This was recorded uh, you know, about a week ago because my uh, my buddy Brendan, my producer, is on vacation. So uh, I I don't know why I, I have to. I, I, there's no reason. You would never know the difference. It's just like I just want you to know because if something goes down, which, I, you know, everything, there's always shit going down now. There's never any, like, maybe we'll have a three-day run where shit doesn't go down. So basically, the reason I'm giving you this info that it was a little uh, further back that I recorded this than usual is that uh, if something horribly tragic has occurred and, you know, the only thing that's left on Earth is the ability to uh, post a podcast, that I, I didn't know about it. So, uh well, I guess it wouldn't matter when have any listeners anyways. Let's say the that most of the communications in the world are just they go down except for this podcast. I can offer you no help, no information about what's happening out there. I can't because I I'm I I pre-recorded this, but God Godspeed to all of you and uh you know, get out and start foraging. I guess this is what it's come to. I hope you stash some money because I had no idea this would happen. Okay, so did I mention today on the show, Duncan Jones is here, the film director. He directed, uh, may, you may have remembered the, the movie Moon with Sam Rockwell, and he did uh, Warcraft, and he did, um, what is that, Source Code, and now he's got a new movie out, uh, which I enjoyed. It's called Mute. It's going to be on Netflix. It's going to be available on Netflix tomorrow. Uh, he co-wrote and directed this, and I've talked to him before. I talked to him years ago in another manifestation of media and another uh, manifestation or incarnation of myself back in the day, Break Room Live. It was shortly before I started the podcast, so I haven't talked to Duncan in a while. I liked him then, and uh, I enjoyed talking to him this time. I think uh, I, I think I, I pushed some buttons, but uh, you know I'll get to that when I uh, introduce him. I, I did want to also Brendan Small is on the show today. Brendan Small, who you know from Metalocalypse and uh, uh, Home Movies. And uh, from his comedy, from his guitar playing, he's one. He's a metal dude, and he's made this video for his new con- a sci-fi concept record. Yeah, that's what's happening, and uh, he'll explain it. The odd thing is, is that now this has become sort of a science fiction theme show because Duncan Jones is also a sci-fi guy. Uh, the the his films are sci-fi. And now I got a Brendan on here with his sci-fi guitar work and his new sci-fi video for the guitar work and a sci-fi concept record. And I, I think if there's one thing you know about me is uh, not a sci-fi guy. I think I, I don't I think I've only seen two Star Wars, to be honest with you. I, I have very little interest in, in sci-fi of any kind. Though I'll read, I don't, I know, I didn't even, I don't know that what the comics that I did read when I did read them were sci-fi. I don't think that Hellblazer is really a science fiction uh, comic series. It seems like a practical manual for those who are aware of what's really happening in the world. <laughs> he, yeah, that's what uh, Hellblazer is. John Constantine is just somebody who's dealing with what's really going on in in a way that you know. Uh, that has a handle on it. Just it's a sort of a help self help series that Sandman. I guess uh, that uh, Hellblazer. I guess 
Sandman is kind of sci-fi. I guess it is, but the, it's more, uh, you know, romantic sci-fi, sci-fi somehow. It doesn't involve uh, aliens and spaceships, really. Different scapes, levels of things. I like Blade Runner as much as the next guy. And, you know, I talked to Duncan about Blade Runner. I like Blade Runner because that's not so far in the future. Maybe I'm, I, I, can, I, I enjoy sci-fi if, you know, people still uh, move through the world like humans. Like there's still some grit and some dirt to it. You know, that it's not a complete alien scape. You know, and spaceships do nothing for me. Zero. I get no thrills from spaceships. But it just turns out, coincidentally, that we have two sci-fi-themed things on the show today. I did want to uh, read a couple of emails, I think, because um, somebody responded. There's a couple of reactions. Like this one, corrections on your pronunciation and dot 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 now see that right away when i see that subject line i you know the and dot 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 is not going to make me feel any better i'm already guarded this is just i'm i'm bringing this email up because it's it's about how these things make me feel even though maybe she had a good point maybe her heart was in the right place hey mark osage county is O like O-H and Sage, S-A-G-E, like Sage. You say something like Osage. That is what I said. I said Osage. So thank you, Osage County. Got it. You you didn't have to tell me what I said. But I'm okay. I'm okay. Uh, Almodovar, Almodovar. You said Almodovar. See, now that, I think that's, that's nitpicky a little bit, but because I don't even know the difference. Almodovar, and I said Almodovar. 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 I see, I'm still, you know, it's, I don't know, six and one maybe. But I appreciate you trying to help. You talked to Gina Rodriguez about being a Latino. That would be Latina if you are talking about her or women. I know that. I know that. You know, I mean, you know, I know this is helpful, but I, and then she writes, not trying to be a dick or more accurately, a cunt. Ruth with a smiley emoji. I'm glad you, you added that last part because that made me laugh. It freed me up a little bit. And, uh, and, and thank you for the, and because you added that last part, the, the self-deprecation and knowing from probably living a life of being a corrector that you you have to soften it because you know it's right to do it but it's a tough position to be in it's a tough place to be the uh, grammar police it's right it's righteous it you know it is very basic and respectful but uh, you know from uh, the reactions you get that you qualified it a little bit with the with the funny thing at the end but you were being kind of a dick really still but thank you here's another one emails slash text falling through the cracks mark i was ecstatic to hear someone else talk about this problem i am the worst at forgetting emails and texts today i got a call from someone whose email i completely forgot about in which she asked for help with a client on a fairly urgent matter i felt absolutely horrible when she called even more so because this was already on my mind from your podcast this morning at least she called to follow up instead of assuming i was ignoring her i'd already been reading a book called getting things done the art of stress-free productivity by david allen and this email slip up made me stop everything and put the practices he advocated 
dictates into action. I created a folder in my inbox called for review slash action. I went through my inbox and moved anything I haven't responded to yet to this folder. Hopefully this will help at least for work emails. I have some personal emails that I never responded to, but I meant to. And, and, and the memory of those sometimes haunt me. I will think of them randomly, which causes intense stress and anxiety. One email in particular from about four years ago still weighs on me occasionally, but now it is way too late to respond. Text, I have no hope for responding to these. I vote we all start calling each other again. Regards, Amy. Now, obviously, I brought something to that reading, but I don't know about you listening to that, but what what was that email four years ago? I mean, I appreciate the sentiment of, about, of this whole thing, and I'm glad that we're kindred spirits, but what what was that email that's still weighing on you occasionally from four years ago, and it's too late? You can't just... Leave us all hanging like that, Amy. Real? What was it? Okay, listen. Uh, Brendan Small, good friend of mine, great guitar player, has a, a, a new music video coming out on um, Funnier Diet, sci-fi. But he talks about it. It's from his last record, which um, is a sci-fi concept. Let's talk to him about it. Sci-fi Brendan Small right now. So I don't think I haven't seen you in a while. It's been Is a while, it, yeah. What's happened? Since I saw you last, we probably performed together on stage, probably played some music together. Are right? you still doing those shows? I'm sorry, I can't do them at the improv. I, I just know you can't. I know it. you can't. I know you can't. But but uh, it's always fun when we do it. We're gonna start doing it uh, soon again. So I'll be asking you at a different theater. So like, let's name them. It's Mike. Mike Keneally. Yeah, Mike and Keneally then the drummer with, uh, Joe Travers. Those go. Those guys are both ex Zappas. Um, the Dweezil Zappas. Mike Keneally played with Frank Zappa. Right. And um, and uh, Joe Travers played with Duran Duran. He played with um, Dweezil Zappa. And what about and them, Eric the Johnson. bass player? Um, that's Pete Griffin. So Pete he plays, Griffin, yeah. He plays in a lot of different bands. Um, he's a he's a great ba- uh, bass player, and he plays in a band with uh, one of the guys from Mastodon too. So yeah, no, all, that'd be they're, fun. Yeah, they're yeah. all monster players. You know, yeah. they're super musicians. Because I got together with some other guys, and they were good musicians too. But I, yeah. you know, I, I just wanted to jam a little bit. Yeah, and no one does that. No when one you, does you, it. You pros don't do that. Like I need to get into a groove. I can do it. You know, I need, I need to get into a groove. Like I want to learn how to play with people. But the the way the way I'm going to learn how to play with people is not to work out songs. Yeah, yeah. It's it's well, you know what the the best thing about those guys, and it's like great acting. I think at the same point the same time they 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 kind of fold in and they're just listening to each other they're yeah. just paying attention you can well, i gotta learn how to do that and yeah. someone's gotta let me do that all right like i played with these other guys you know just i was gonna work out a few songs maybe yeah. do a show at largo yeah but after two th- things i was like i can't do it like you know because like uh it was like well let's start over let's do this let's do that and then one of them they were like why don't you just sing on this one i'm like what are you talking about i'm here to play guitar <laughs> <laughs> so wait a minute what did they're you, good guys what did you want out of that well, I thought maybe I could put together like a variety show where I could uh, have an ensemble yeah. and do like four or five songs sure. and bring people up and sure. do some stand-up, just like what everyone else does. Just an excuse to maybe get out and play out. Yeah. You know what you want? You want a musical director, I think. I don't think you want to deal with the bullshit. What do you I mean? Think, meaning I think you want a guy to set up and have the band ready to go. And, and then if you want to jam, you get Marcus no, to I jam. No, I really wanted to like do this. Like We put together the songs and they all sounded pretty good. Mm-hmm. You know, but like when you're a pro, there's an expectation to sort of like, wait, wait, what are we doing? Yeah. Oh, you just show up and get it done and, and not <laughs> yeah. fuck around. Yeah. I what are we you, doing? Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, and I get yeah. that. I mean, if I want to jam, I got to find some amateurs. 
That's or it. just pay a bunch of guys to that's sit what, around. That's and what play, amateurs do. Play the same, play an A blues like for forty five minutes. No, I'm willing to go other places. Okay, B. I'll C? go. No, I'll go. I, <laughs> no, I could do a three chords that aren't a blues. Right. I don't need to play blues. I know. I know. I can play hard rock. I've seen you. We played a lot of music. L- look, Mister Compression. Compression. Whatever the fuck you do to your sound. <laughs> My sound. It is. I have a little gainier sound. I have a more modern high gain sound than I think you is do. Is that what it's called? Modern high gain? Yeah, but I, I respect old amplifiers and old instruments, but I also like modern instruments as well. Yes, I do. <laughs> there, there's something to be said for both. Why? Yeah. It sounds like you're playing a guitar in outer space. I know. It does. <laughs> it does. That's kind of what I've been doing lately. <laughs> it is? Yeah. I've been in this outer space world since I put this outer space record out. That, that I just made this outer space video for. That's, oh, that's what we're going to talk about. Wait, you put, yeah. a, you put an outer space record out? Well, that's what I did. It's like a uh, high-stakes intergalactic extreme rock album, Galacticon 2 is the record. You already, Where's Galacticon 1? That came out also. It already came out, yeah. That's something I put in like in between Death Clock records as, as, uh, as the, just because I didn't know, I didn't know if I was going to do another Death Clock record Yeah. because there was like, uh, I had booked, um, Death Clock 1 came out, did really, really well. I'd booked the, and then we'd gotten this, uh, this whole deal together with Adult Swim for the second one, but the last day before they said, we, the deal's not ready, the deal's not done, we can't do this. And I had already booked studio time, booked all these musicians. Yeah. And uh, I didn't want to look like a jerk in front of these guys or, and make them refuse gigs to work with me. So I said, let's record something. I'm going to grab all these other songs. And I want to do something that was a little bit more melodic, a little less heavy. Galacticon? And that's what Galacticon was. Who's singing? That's me. I'm singing. And I'm not, and I'm singing on the new one, I'm singing somewhere between, it's kind of like the natural the natural next step after death clock which is kind of brutal guttural stuff but also very melodic and stacked vocals and more kind of like heavier queen kind of stuff uh-huh yeah meets like Soundgarden, meets like that's wheat. the new one that's the new one yeah. so wait the first galacticon these are are these are these concept records they are there they are and so so here's how here's what happened this all happened as an accident uh-huh and then i put out this record and i put out this the first one i put out this first one and then who's on it it's myself, it's uh, Gene Hoagland, who I play with on Death Clock, and Brian Beller, who played on Death Clock, too. He's a monster player. You probably met him in passing. But um, he's, a, he's a great bass player, too. And so and now all those guys are out touring with other bands. But that's the band. So I wrote a bunch of songs, and I wrote a story. Yeah. I wrote a couple of stories. What's the, what's the story of Galacticon 1? So the, the story of Galacticon 1 is uh, an intergalactic divorce story. Mm. So this is about, like, uh, basically the idea was, what if Superman and Lois Lane had this big public messy divorce, and she got everything, she got the Fortress of Solitude, and then... And he got nothing, and he has to go to anger management and all this stuff. He has to go to therapy and all kinds of stuff to get his sponsorships back and all yeah. kinds of shit. And she starts dating Lex Luthor. And that's basically the idea. That was like a three-act uh, hero's terrible. journey kind of a thing. Yeah. And um, and so, but underneath it is a comedic thing and also kind of a hero's journey. And, and Really? I shouldn't be taking thing. this seriously? <laughs> <laughs> there are divorce lawyers, <laughs> space lawyers and space creditors in this story. Uh-huh. But so what happened was... So so one thing begat another, and then I put out a comic book with this guy, Eric Powell, who does a comic called The Goon, on, uh, and he has his own comic company called Albatross Comics. So he said, can we make this into a thing? So I did that this year, too. I wrote like a six-issue... You, you use Superman? Don't you have to get permission to use I didn't Superman? Use Super, I didn't really use Superman. The idea was, what if Superman? And then I created a totally different character that doesn't feel... It's more like Charles right. Grodin in outer space kind of a thing. Uh-huh. You know, from like you know, the Heartbreak Kid, that right. kind of a Charles, like a cranky right. fucker who's like... who It's a redemption story. He wasn't so, quite cranky in the heartbreak kid he was kind of he was a little moody confused. though <laughs> watching her eat breakfast yeah oh that yeah <laughs> i put cream on my face <laughs> 
don't don't put a Milky Way bar in someone's mouth who doesn't want it. That's one of my favorite lines <laughs> of all time. <laughs> so you did the comic book so about the, the divorce uh, arc. Yeah, I just finished. So it's 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 still coming out right now. Oh, I not. just I just finished. So writing. the comic book for Galacticon One is coming out. Yes, and the record for Galacticon Two just came out with a new story. With a, with a new story that I'll get into later on, but not here. But um, what do you mean? Meaning that uh, you don't want to ruin it. I don't want to ruin it. Yeah, that's kind of it. But because everything's going with Galacticon One right now. But the but this wait the videos Galacticon One. Vic, videos Galacticon Two. <laughs> the video that you're here to talk about. The video that I'm here to talk about is is promoting the second that record. I watched thirty seconds of. Yes. I watched a trailer for a video. Yeah, I know, I know. You got to promote it somehow. Well, what do you? But but that's, but then just put the video out. I'm going to. But I have to make people watch it. I have to let people know that it's happening at some time. You have to create an event. You have to show people where it shows oh. up. Because there's no like MTV anymore. Right. All right. So and videos are hard to sell, by the way. Videos are hard to 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 what find money. What is it supposed to, to sell? Well, it's not. It's it's hard to make money. It's hard to get the money to make get them. the money to make them. Thank you, Mark. Sure. That's why I do. That's why I'm yeah. on this side. Of the I know. Table. But it's hard to raise money. That's what I'm trying to say. So here's the thing is yeah. that this this all comes back to you in some strange way. As I was listening to the the Roger Corman oh, yeah. episode. Yeah. And it was a really inspiring thing. You know, I've gotten to, um, I've been lucky enough to, to be paid by networks to do stuff for a long time. But every once in a while, I want to do my own stuff the yeah. way I want to do it, how I want to do it. Right. And that's what this whole project is. Right. And so... So raising money is really funny because y'all, everybody turns into Ed Wood. You're baptizing all your friends trying to get like, you know, $40,000 to make something. And um, luckily I got a lot of sponsors to chip in and I got uh, Megaforce Records who I'm working with to chip in and I got Loot Crate and I got a pinball company, Stern Pinball, who I do the voices of, I do the, I'm the voice of the Metallica pinball game yeah. and the um, Aerosmith pinball game. Uh-huh. And, um, do you do their voices? I don't do their voices. I play an obnoxious character who uh, just taunts you, like, oh. you know, like at a dunk tank. Oh, That's kind of what Come I'm on! <laughs> it's pretty much exactly that voice. <laughs> Come on! You can do better than that! Like, <laughs> that kind of a horribly annoying voice. <laughs> and I and I got those guys to, to help me make this video. So there's a lot of people. A lot of people got their uh, got a taste. Exactly. They, well, I, well, the thing is, I, I wanted to do something that was only like available to be done almost like you know dogma 95 is like all this restriction based thing i wanted to do something like a a sci-fi fantasy video using all practical effects meaning no cgi at all all tactile things that's the corman angle and that's the corman angle and also so instead of dogma 95 i want to do corman 82 anything that was available in 1982 i can do with this video so that's the idea so uh, my brother luckily works in makeup effects and he builds creatures and he's worked on jim henson stuff he worked on hellboy he worked on all kinds of different movies but he's really good at what he does and, and it was a good opportunity for us to partner together and just get our hands dirty and have paint on our pants when we go home and all kinds yeah. of stuff like that. So we use this old technique from like Flash Gordon the movie where they had these aquariums filled with ink and you use them for these really cool science fiction skies. So all those skies that you're seeing, even in that 30 second trailer, are... Um, are generated through a 50-gallon aquarium. And it's just the gift that keeps on giving. We keep using it for all these really cool moments. And it's really outer space and it's tactile. And it feels like it's really there. And we built spaceship models. And we built robots. And we built weird silicon whale creatures with glowing eyes and fucked up stuff like that. And it's a really crazy, fun place to be. And we found a standing spaceship set that I guess James Cameron built. 20 years ago, 30 years ago, like up on the five somewhere. Yeah. And it looks really cool. They shot that show Firefly there. Uh-huh. But, um, 
but we just wanted to light it really cool, like science, almost like heavy metal, the comic book, but right. up on its feet. Right. Or in this case, my comic book totally yeah. up on its feet. So right. that was the idea. And I realized I was having so much fun, I couldn't deny this. I just wanted to keep building it out and building it out. So I made it into this seven and a half minute short film where I, the song doesn't even start for the first two minutes. I wrote score. I wrote like this John Carpenter kind of like Tangerine Dream style yeah. um, score with all these like square wave synthesizers and like there's a little bit of Jerry Goldsmith in there from the Alien soundtrack. Yeah. It kind of like nods to this, that, and the other thing. And then the song comes in and then then I figured I'm, I'm, not, I'm not even going to, I'm going to cut in to a second song that's on the record at the same time. Why not? I'm here. I showed up. We have paint all over ourselves anyway. Why don't I just continue this out? And so it ends with this big epic outro of this other song on the same record. So it's just a big advertisement of just eye candy and fun and sci-fi and escapism. And that was all because I, I forgot you can just go out and start doing stuff. Right. And that's what that Corman interview kind of told me. Right. You know? Yeah. Because no one's going to pay me to do that stuff. Sometimes I just got to stand up and say, okay... Here's what we're doing today. <laughs> you know? yeah. Everyone's like, uh, okay. Well, the, the yeah. 30 seconds I saw look good. It looks really cool. Well, God forbid, you know, uh, you know, you're coming on the show, and I know it was at short notice. Yeah. That maybe I, I could see the whole... I can show it to you right now. I could have showed it to you beforehand, but we just started talking. I have oh. a computer here and everything. <laughs> I could show you the whole damn thing. Well, yeah. maybe 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 I, maybe I don't want to spoil it. Maybe, maybe, yeah. Because the first the first 30 seconds look pretty good. Mm-hmm. look really good. It looks really cool. It looks... We shot in anamorphic lenses. Are you getting so... more nerdy as you get older? I mean, I you seem like I don't. No, I mean it's the same nerdery that's been there. It's just at some point it's the same thing as the guitar. Look, everything is a guitar as far as I'm concerned. You know, you learn how to play it. There are like certain things. Would you, you ever play that guitar? That's a Fender Strat. Of course I would. It's yeah. like an '86 have... Strat, but it's got no frills. No, I not, have I have a '54 reissue with a baseball bat knack that sounds really great with a maple. Do you play it? Yeah, of course I do. I've used it on recordings. Oh. You use the trick is that you surround yourself with all. Get all guitars are good. Yeah. You just, it, there's no, I don't, I'm never going to kick a guitar out of bed. They're all good. Do you need any good. pedals before I get? Yeah, I do. I'll take, I'll take a look through your pedals. <laughs> but yeah, nerdery is part of this whole thing. It's, yeah. it's just, again, at some point you go. I like, know your brother was in that, that, that racket. The, yeah, he's been doing it for a long time. Racket. He got started with this guy, Gabe Bartolas, who, who's known for uh, doing like the Leprechaun series, Basket Case, these B movies, but yeah. he also does the cremaster cycle the matthew barney stuff that super artsy crazy oh, stuff. oh yeah yeah with so, the, he, so yeah with so this the, crazy cross the, section the, of the, the minotaurs no, yeah no. like weird like dancing goats and yeah. crazy shit and there's all this mm -hmm. testicle related shit mm -hmm. so so yeah i am getting nerdier and i want to learn more and I'll, honestly it's just like guitar i want to get better every day at shit don't you i mean like don't we want to just get a little learn something new yeah, I'm thinking about taking guitar lessons. <laughs> yeah? Yeah. Are you really? Yeah. I t I buy them online and I sit for like a half hour to, to to 45 minutes every morning and try to learn new stuff. From who? Nerdy fusion guys. <laughs> really nerdy <laughs> you stuff. You buy them though? They're that special? They're very I specific? buy one. I buy one and it lasts me three years to like get through it, to like to be able to put it under my hands. Really? Yeah. Wow. Like like improvisational thinking stuff and fretboard knowledge and just going back to basics constantly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just seriously, like just going like, all right, let's look at my picking. Yeah. Oh, really? Let's just go back down to just like the mechanics of everything because you're working in millimeters. Uh-huh. There may be a better way to skin a cat or something, you know. Oh, my God. I just want to learn a couple new riffs. <laughs> It's fun. You're allowed to do whatever you want with it. There's no to, wrong answer. You know what I mean? I just want to get out of my... I know, but you can play. You, you, my circle yeah. of riffs. That's fun. That's true because we do plateau. Yeah. You know? 
Yeah, I just want to see how far out I can get. I got I got a, bi- a big blow to my confidence just playing with these guys. Oh, yeah? Why? Because, do like, do? I don't know. Because like, I think I can play, but I don't know. Can I play? For how I, long can I play? Listen, you can play. I think here half the time I think we start telling my guitar, you're just fishing for compliments from me. What? <laughs> <laughs> and I think I, 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 and I, need, I think I deliver them every time, and they're boost. just not a good enough compliment. No, no, I need a boost. I took. I, I, All right, my, fine. Mark, you can play. We played together live yeah. on stage. Yes, we have. You can play. Yeah. You can question answer. You can yeah. listen. You yeah. can. You can. Uh, I think the most important thing you can do as a guitar player is is be able to bend a note and give it a little bit of life. And that's the thing that that makes a guy from Guitar Center playing on a Sunday versus a guy that's actually... I can do that. I know you can do that. That's right. why I think you're good. All right. Because it's almost like starting... We're so close to picking up that guitar. I know. We're so close. <laughs> but it reminds me of starting out comedy. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes we don't start out in a... You know, you're a guy with a, a real personality on stage. You may have started out that way or you may have started out trying to copy one of your heroes. A little muted... Yeah, I don't. I don't think I did much copying. But I mean, there's you probably had inspiration. Sure, you probably thought, what does this guy sure. do? I was what a little. He... I might have been a little hicksy at one point. Exactly. So that. Yeah. So, so that's where we start out with comedy, and that's where we start out with guitar. We kind of you got to learn how to impersonate your heroes a little bit, so you can kind of find your own voice. So all right. So when is the video up? The go, and what's it, is it just called Galactic? It's called Galacticon. Galacticon. And, uh, the song is called Nightmare, and it's. Uh, it's a partnership between myself and Funny or Die, so it's going to show up on Funny or Die March twenty second. This may be out by. I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. So it'll it's either out right now or go check it out on Funny or Die. Thanks for coming by. I'm sorry I was late, and thanks for saying that I'm a good guitar player. You're welcome. And uh, good to see you. Good to see you. All right, so go watch that thing. You put a lot of work into it. That's his sound is too. It's too. I don't know what it's something. That, you know what I mean? It's the same with the science fiction. But he can play anything. That guy. So, Duncan Jones, sci-fi. The th- the 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 theme continues. Uh, Duncan Jones has a new film out called Mute, which he co-wrote and directed. It will be available on Netflix tomorrow. I enjoyed the film, and I like uh, I like Duncan. But this time, okay. Here's the deal. He's a great director. He's a great artist in his own right. But between you and me, um, his dad is David Bowie. His dad was David Bowie. And I think many of us who love David Bowie and uh, miss him, obviously, uh, who are fans, you know, his uh, the loss of David Bowie was, was profound and sad. And there was part of me that wanted to talk a little bit about David Bowie. And, and not in a way that I, what I thought was intrusive. So, but I knew it was probably inappropriate. Not inappropriate, but probably something that Duncan didn't want to do, which was true. But I kept kind of doing it, and uh, he handled it. He handled it very well. And at one point, we were talking about some. I I just wanted to clear this up because in listening to it, I mentioned Sam Peckinpah, and I mentioned a Sam Peckinpah movie that had Bob Dylan in it, and that movie was not The Wild Bunch. It was um, Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid. He played Alias. That that's all. You know that, that that's my little my little pet peeve. But enjoy this because there was it, it wasn't real tension. He was a little worked up, anyways. But uh, I th- we had a lovely conversation about movies, about um, about his work, and and I you know and every so often every so often I I did I did t- try to bring up his dad, but I think it worked. That's what I'm telling you. It's a good interview. I enjoy the guy. I think we could be friends. I don't think that anyone got hurt here. I don't know though. I feel good about it. 
This is me and Duncan Jones. So, like, it has been, like, a long time since I saw you. Yeah, 2009. That's when it was? Yeah. Really? Yeah. yeah. So that was right towards the end of whatever we were doing there in the break room. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I remember... It was my memory's bad. <laughs> That's okay. I wouldn't expect you to remember, but it, it, I remember it, you, and I remember <laughs> talking to you, and yeah. I know why we were talking. Yeah. But that whole time period, it's sort of like I don't know where it was in the arc of whatever was going on there at the time. I, I knew yeah. if it was two thousand and nine, which is when we started this. Yeah. But we talked about Moon. That's right. That was the the first film. Yeah, Sam Rockwell in a spaceship. Yeah, <laughs> I liked the movie. I remember I liking the movie. Yeah, no, it's 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 done it's done me well. It has. Time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because like it got a lot of critical acclaim it and got people dug good him. Acclaim and and people still love it today. So it's um it's, Did, it's been remembered, which I think is a good sign. So has it found like an audience in that world of uh, sci-fi nerddom? Definitely, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> That's an important. They'll, they'll keep. They'll hold on to it forever. They'll, yeah. they'll make sure it stays vital for the rest of li- a time. Absolutely. And I know Sam gets talked to, you know, whenever people talk to Sam, they always bring up Moon. That's one of the first things they talk about. Oh, really? Yeah. And it's funny because in the new movie, you see Sam briefly in a couple, <laughs> of, a couple of moments. There's, That's right. There's several Sams yeah. in, in one clip, which is sort of funny that, but wait, before we get to, sure. to the new movie, like, so you, we, you walked in, he you said you're. You're more angry than you were back then. <laughs> I was I was a young, naive, you know, open-eyed. Oh, really? Uh, guy, when I came and saw you on my uh, on 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 Moon. Oh, really? And, uh, so like, usually people do I'm the an young angrier dude. Really? <laughs> people usually do the young and angry thing. No, I went the opposite way. <laughs> I, I, is it is it because of the world? I think it's the world and 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 life and um, yeah no it's just been a it's been a wild ride those last ten years yeah so, so you're starting to realize like uh, it doesn't always work out <laughs> <laughs> Is it, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it doesn't a, work out the way it's supposed to <laughs> the way you think it should maybe yeah. it's working no no no, no Mark the way it's supposed to <laughs> the way it's supposed to happen see the, the, that disposition <laughs> will the, that is a sure uh, uh, recipe for anger exactly it, it is not, this is not how I want it to be yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't. We, I don't know. We. I think we only spent a little bit of time to, together last time. But so let me get some. Let's do the the standard. Like, where 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 do you live now? I live here in L.A. My my uh, my wife is actually from Pasadena. In fact, she grew up a couple of blocks from here. I know. Back, it's back right. when this neighborhood wasn't quite as nice as it is now. It's. I don't. It's. It's still true. It's like I I I I have mixed feelings about that. Yeah. She she grew up in Highland Park. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Your wife did? Yeah. <laughs> so you, did you tell her you were coming to Highland Park? Oh yeah, she wanted me to let me let make make sure that I got back safe and as quickly as possible. <laughs> it is a little better than that now. Yeah. So uh, and she went to what? She and then she moved to Pasadena? Um yeah, I think uh, her her family her uh, her dad was um was in the US Navy, so she um they moved around all over the country when she was growing up. And oh, no she kidding. En- ended up back here. That's wild. Yeah. So you you actually by by default or by uh, one one degree of separation, you have history in my neighborhood. Absolutely, a yeah. couple blocks from here. I got to bring my son in here at some point so you can see where his mom grew up. How long you been here? Um, since uh, since my, since Source Code, which is my second film, which I was about um, 2011, six years. I've been out here for about six years now. Really? Yeah. And do you like it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 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 grudgingly growing to love aspects of it. Uh huh. I think that's. And you I'm moved at. here from uh, London. I I'm yeah. I lived in London before that, but you know, with the films, we we traveled so much, so we did. You know, was I was in Montreal for for one film, then 
Vancouver for another. This re- most recent film, we were in Berlin for a year. So you really you went to place. Berlin, huh? Yeah, yeah. Now, where did you grow up primarily? Um, again, all over the place. Um, why, but why? Your your mother wasn't in the army, and your dad, <laughs> well, your, your dad was. My dad was traveling though, so it was kind of like the army. So so, so you we were, were with him most the of the time. Yeah, yeah. No kidding. Because like I was trying to put it together, like I there was some weird like your mother lived out here for a while. Yeah, I yes, that's correct. Do you? <laughs> Are yes. you guys talking? You're not talking? No, not since I was 13. Really? That, yeah. And that holds? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <No>. Absolutely. <laughs> really? But you think that has anything to do with why you're angry? No. No. <laughs> you just no. find it safer not to talk to her? You just... She she was a corrosive person. Oh, yeah. So so that's interesting. So you you, you don't talk... I only know one other fr- guy in my life that has, has completely not talked to a parent. Right. Just like, yeah. that. I'm done with that. Yeah. And it's just not not getting any better. There's no resolving it, and no. that's just the way it is. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, that is correct. <laughs> but it, just, it doesn't. You, you know, it doesn't. It doesn't drain you in any way. No. Oh. No. No. I was I was fortunate in 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 that um, when my dad was traveling and I was you know with him, there was this amazing woman uh, by the name of Marianne Skeen who was actually, you know came into my life when I was two years old to uh-huh. look after me. Oh, yeah. And she was there. My She was basically essentially my mother growing up. Was she like so, a nanny? Yeah, she was. And she, she died while we were making Mute. So my dad died the year before we started. She died while we were making it. Mm. Um, but I also had, you know, I, I've started having my family. So my son was born just before we started. Wow. My, my daughter is coming right now. So Wow, that's so, that's a lot. Yeah, it's been heavy. Well, I mean, you're getting both sides. Exactly. You got to make room for the new guys with the, uh, you know, make oh, some space from the old ones. That's a heavy few years, man. And yeah. you're making a movie. How yeah. how long was, was your dad sick? Because, um, like, you know, I mean, none of us obviously knew details. And I'm sorry for yeah. your loss. And yeah, I'm yeah. sorry for everybody. Yeah. Everybody's loss because that one for that, his death was a, a, a very big. Uh, hit for uh, uh, I think a lot of us. Yeah, not, I, not I'm not comparing myself to you, but no, like he, you know, he's just you always thought he'd be there for some reason. Listen, if you don't know and the information's not out there, then then I really would want to respect the rest of my sure. family who haven't put that information out. Sure. Well, I just well, I, you know, there were rumors that he was sick, but I mean, you knew that like he knew he knew that, he was sick, yeah. and and that and he made that last record. Yeah. No, they uh, there was a you know an, an amazing effort by him to you know keep focused and 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 produce something that meant a lot to him well i think then like if you don't mind talking about a little bit not the death necessarily but just the fact that like because there's you know when you grow up with somebody like david bowie as your father yeah like you know we we don't know anything but like it seems to me you seem like a pretty well-adjusted guy you that you know like i you we don't necessarily picture him as a father yeah but he he also moved through a lot of personalities like intentional personas right but the one you knew was probably much different yeah i sort of saw him you know as as he naturally was in his native state yeah which was what a proper english guy just a nice guy <laughs> like I, uh yeah absolutely a nice guy yeah. yeah and you know and he was a good father he was a great father yeah yeah no i was i was uh you know I, I i had an unusual upbringing but not a not a negative one traveling on the road traveling watching the shows Watching the shows, seeing, yeah. seeing Clockwork Orange at too young an age. <laughs> were you? But you must have been on film sets. There must have been something that inspired you. Where, where were you when he did uh, Man Who Fell to Earth? I mean, yeah, no, I came out to the, New Mexico, those, right? Those, yeah, absolutely. There's, 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 I grew up there. They were doing that when I was there. Oh, really? I was a kid though. But that's <laughs> same, where they shot there. it, right? Yeah. 
<laughs> absolutely yeah no so I, there's there's you know i was i was out there for that i mean obviously i was very young so it didn't have an impact for me as far as making me want to make movies but right. you know as as i got older i was on shoot other shoots um and those were more impactful yeah like with who like with what directors like like who did you like at that time or were you when well, you started registering Jim Henson, obviously when i got older for the for labyrinth <laughs> right right um and so then, you're a real uh, sci-fi guy I am a, I, 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 yeah, partially. That's part, part of my interest. But um, I, I like the fact that science fiction allows you to kind of push people into examining stuff without them feeling judged, you know? Sure, sure. So where, where did you uh, do most of your schooling? I mean, if you were traveling so much, where did you end up going to school? Um, well, we were in Germany for a little while. So there was a, an American milica- military academy there. and then when, In Berlin? In Berlin, yeah, when back he, in the 70s. So, hey, how long was that? A few years? Uh, that was like a, like a year and a half or something. When and he did then, Heroes? Yeah, then yeah. it was. Um, I was in Switzerland for a while. Wow, you know that became a kind of a base for him while he was while he was traveling. Uh huh. We were. Oh my god. You know, a little bit of tutoring in Australia and school in the north of Scotland, and a boarding school in Scotland. And so there was, was in, a boarding school involved. Well, he's really, was a maybe school. the kid shouldn't be on the road so much. <laughs> yeah. Let's put him in a place where. He, yeah. And, and that was a, in Scotland. And in New York as well. There was a there's a there's a great school there called the Little Red School House. I went to for. That's down the street from where I live. Yeah. And then where'd you end up going to college? Where'd you end up? Worcester, Ohio. Really, <laughs> in Amish country. Really, yeah, absolutely. What so, was it? What was the name of that school? Um, Worcester. It was called the College of Worcester. It was a small liberal arts place. Oh yeah, you know, just kind of near Akron. How'd um, you end up there? What was the choice? I got um, I, I I got kicked out of boarding school in Scotland. After in Scotland, and yeah. after I got kicked out of boarding school, I spent like a year and a half trying to work out what I wanted to do with my life. Well, took, took my SATs, which obviously, as in a UK school, you wouldn't normally take. But sure. I, I took them and did pretty well in those, and then got a, an academic and a and a soccer scholarship to uh, to Worcester in to to College of Worcester. And that's why you're like, well, they, you know, I can go for free <laughs> or partially. <laughs> Still had to pay a bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it just it just seemed like, wow, this is a whole different thing than where I've been kind of where my head's been at lately. So, uh-huh. so I went out there, did that, and then went off to graduate school for three years at uh, Vanderbilt in Nashville, Tennessee. What were you studying in graduate school? Philosophy. Really? Yeah. So you, so you were that was where you, that was where you ended up. That, like you know, you went to undergrad and you're like, I'm going to study philosophy. Yeah, yeah. And I did. I had a really good time at undergrad, Vanderbilt Graduate School. I I realized pretty quick that I did not want to be a teacher, which is one of the few professions you can really get into with a philosophy doctorate. But like philosophy, I'm, I sort of like I, I tell when people say they study philosophy, I'm, yeah. I'm always curious because I can never wrap my head around it. Were you were you moving towards something? Did you have yeah, favorite my, philosophers? Ab- yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was trying to find the path that was most in sync with my interests, which were science fiction. So sure. I was I was looking at artificial intelligence and the application of morals and ethics into into how, how do you how do you treat artificial intelligences? You know, as far as as ethical entities. Wow. As, uh, as entities that have their own agency. And that was what you were studying when you were in college. Or yeah. like that. And, and what philosophers cover that? Who were you reading? Um, I, I guess Peter Singer, who was more from the animal rights side yeah, of yeah, things. Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Daniel Dennett, who was kind of much more known for, for sort of artificial intelligence and things like that. And now Peter Singer was right. So he wrote the, uh, some book. Uh, Practical uh, Ethics. Practical there was a, Ethics. There's a great book he wrote called Practical Ethics, which is which is really just kind of building up the case of of how do you ethically use animals because obviously you know we're custodians to it for them how, how do you how do you manage to uh, make that work um when you're trying to create the least cruelty possible 
Right, that was it. Right, and then it, I remember I had the book and it had pictures, <laughs> yeah, like vivisection pictures. It's, and yeah, like, it's, it's, it's heavy. Uh, yeah, it's it's heavy, but also it's 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 what the title says. It's very practical. It's, and, it's and looking you, at it in a very cut and dry way. And how did that affect you as a as a student? I mean, do you are you a vegetarian? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> no, but in that book, he doesn't really kind of drive towards that. He drives more to a, a much more practical solution of of if you are going to eat animals. Try and try and give them the best possible life that you can, right? Um, and then use them, you know. And what do you think, like on a, on a metaphysical level, like in terms of I don't know if it's metaphysics or not about you know unleashing all of that pain into the world? <laughs> do you, do you think along those lines? Do you know, like you know, if with these kind of agri farms and these just yeah. you know thousands of animals being cruelly managed and then you know you know kind of violently killed? Yeah. Do you believe that it does enter? Our consciousness or atmosphere or somehow. I certainly, I certainly think it sets up a sets up a, a um, an environment where we become desensitized to certain things. Yeah. Um, and practices. Yeah. Um, I don't think. I mean, I, I am absolutely. You know, I would be very happy to eat something alternative to meat, if right. I felt that it tasted and had the texture of of real meat. Have you tried some of those things? I have. I haven't I haven't been sold yet. No, you don't like the But I think it's coming. I think it's coming. Jackfruit tacos. <laughs> <laughs> There's a place actually uh, called Locali. Have you ever been there? They they serve a Reuben. They serve a vegan Reuben. Oh yeah. Which is really pretty good. Really? Yeah. Where's that at? Um gosh, where is it? It's uh it's just it's just south of the hills um Locally, oh, yeah, locally. I'll get you. Yeah, there, there's some guys that set up here that's all sort of like uh, uh, plant-based yeah. meats uh, yeah. for tacos and stuff. They set up down here. Yeah, it's pretty good. I stop. I haven't been eating red meat in like five months. Right. Because of primarily just because of cholesterol reasons, and yeah. I'm okay without it. I do get a little tired of fish, and I, and tofu is okay. Do you find yourself more low energy? Or are you okay? no? I don't right? think so. No. I am all right. Yeah. yeah, you seem very happy these days. I don't know. I, I don't know if I'm happy. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I swap places. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm better. That's true. That's, I, I think I'm better. I, yeah. think, I think some things worked out that didn't necessarily look like they were going to work out. Yeah. So when so what do you do? You drop out of philosophy. What did you end up like? Did you find? What provoked you in your thinking to to study film? I mean, yeah, my 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 um, you know, I I think my my dad at the you know realized that that this was not going the way I had hoped it was going as far as pursuing philosophy into any kind of any any kind of career. He, re he realized it. Yeah, I think he realized it before me. Well, he realized that I was miserable. Oh yeah, before I did. Uh huh. I mean, I kind of thought, all right, this is just part of the process of being in graduate school, <laughs> right? Um, and he said, no, he said, no, she might happy. No, this is not. This is not. This is not a healthy choice. Um, so, so he was actually working on something with Tony Scott. It was not the not the original film, The Hunger. Yeah, they did a TV show of The Hunger before um, or after. No, this was after. Yeah. So, so. Um, Terrence Stamp, I think, was the kind of host of the first uh, season of that uh -huh. show. And my dad was asked to come and be the, the host for the second season of the show. So they were shooting that up in Montreal. My dad asked me if I wanted to come and join them. And I went and spent my time, you know, I spent a couple of weeks with them uh, shooting on one of the cameras. Him and, and Tony? Him and Tony. And Tony gave me, you know, a lot of his time in a very generous man. And, and, and I got hooked. I was absolutely hooked at that. Oh, point. yeah. So you're yeah. sitting behind the camera with Tony Scott and he's showing you what's up? 
in basically. A sense, in a sense, basically, yeah. yeah. What what did, what did what did you learn from him in that in that moment, or was it just more of an impression? Yeah, it was it was it was an impression, and just the the excitement and 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 creativity of of making movies, and just you know how much fun it can be. Yeah, and how obviously there's there's a blueprint, you know, when you when you've got a script and you sure and there's a way to do it. There's but, a... but at the same time, there is the 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 actual activity of doing it. Yeah, and the improvisation and just the fun that you can have on the day. It's it's a it's a great blend of 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 art. And being able to be creative and at the same time jamming yeah. with a bunch of other people, right? The the, the sort of group effort, the ensemble, yeah. actors, yeah. gaffers, yeah, all the people, everybody, lighting, yeah, ads, catering, yeah, oh yeah, very important, <laughs> everything, absolutely, food, food. <laughs> crafty, gotta have it, yeah, good crafty, yeah. All right, so then you just go back to Vanderbilt and you're like, I'm done, I'm done with Tennessee. Yeah, I'm pretty a- much. I yeah, by as, as almost as soon as that was done, I I moved back to London and. Um, spent my time there working in um you know low budget music videos commercials and sort of no school yeah i went to film school too so so I was, I was doing a place called london film school it's right off covent garden right in the center of the city yeah and what now what do you what do you learn in film school like because now like i i talk to actors more specifically yeah. now but like in film school yeah. like what do you learn at london film school there's a lot of basic technical things about yeah. you know how you how you put a project together how you how you make sure that you're budgeted and, and oh so production and stuff production stuff but 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 to be honest, most of the learning happens when you're working with other students on their short films and on their projects and you all help each other out and you try out different jobs and you understand what all the jobs are. Did you do some, uh, did you do some, uh, short films? Yeah. Yeah, I did. I did some short films. Yeah. yeah. What, what, what were the early, uh, <laughs> Duncan Jones short films? I, um, one of them was, uh, was a, <laughs> was a, was a Celtic love story in, in, in Welsh and Icelandic language. So there was no English in it. Uh-huh. Um, Those are two tricky yeah. languages. No, like you, you pretty much guaranteed no one would be able to just roll with it. It was an ex. Well, it's an exercise for myself in that I wanted to see: can I tell the story with not not being able to rely on dialogue, uh-huh. which obviously comes up in, in mute too. Right. And but Welsh, that like that's that's well, a, that was the closest I could get to a to an original Celtic language. Oh, okay. So it's, a, it's an odd language between right? Gaelic and 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 Icelandic. Yeah, that was kind of a you know a. a, a, a a battle to to for me as the director to understand what the actors were saying and how long was that film <laughs> that one was like 10 12 minutes did it work uh yeah i think it was okay and then I, I did another one which is actually on the dvd for moon called whistle which was a contemporary sci-fi film set in london so that was yeah that was another one where's the uh like see like i'm not a sci-fi guy yeah you know in general you know and it, like i'm not a fantasy guy really yeah like it took me like I, you know, I I don't know why I watched The Shape of Water, but I did, and, yeah. I, and I found it very moving, and, yeah. and beautiful and yeah. compelling. But I don't think to do it, right? And I know you you have you're some... you're a practical man though. You want practical answers to practical questions. How do you know that? I I, I watched you. I've seen you. I know. I hear you. I know what you are. <laughs> so, but 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 do you, so you already have those answers then, or are you avoiding them? No, I just think that you can hit those th- same they, you can hit those same questions from a different perspective. But did you always point. like sci-fi? Yeah, yeah, it, it was just your thing. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And and I think I enjoyed this. I I enjoyed the fantastical elements of it before I realized how useful it was as a tool to get to practical things. Hmm. So you got to go to space to get to here. I think I think there's a, it, I think it's a different perspective. You get a chance to look at things in a different way. 
All right. So, what are some of the inspirations? That, like, so you're growing up and you're getting into sci-fi. Like, do you read? Like, you know, what what do you start with? How do you get to J.G. Ballard? Do you do you read Asimov? Do you read uh, Ellison? Who do you read? Um, all of those. Uh, Ballard was one of the later ones for me. It was actually I was introduced to that much later on. But um, I think. You know, I think a William Gibson was a big one for me as well. Early on? Um, yeah, as soon as I read Neuromancer. I mean, I, my dad actually gave me Neuromancer to read, and, and I thought that was just the bee's knees. That one. was the big one. That was the one where he discovered the internet. Yeah, yeah. He, <laughs> he sort of came up with everything that, yeah, we, the, that we know today. Put on the goggles. We're going in. <laughs> I read those. I yeah. felt like I had to read those. Yeah. Like, there were ones that, that for me, there were ones that referred to me by uh, people that I, I kind of respect uh, that were like what I... W- met certain highbrow expectations yeah. I had. Because there was there were other ones like what's that guy's name? Harlan Ellison? Harlan Ellison or yeah. But like, you know, I tried to read him and people love him and there's hundreds of books and he's an interesting guy. Yeah. But there was such a sophomoric approach to women and sex in them yeah. that I, I just like I'm like but where's the literature here? I mean yeah. maybe the device is great and maybe like as a device writer in science fiction he's a genius. Yeah. But I couldn't get past the prose. Yeah. No, I can get that. I mean, did you get anything more out of maybe Philip K. Dick or something? Or? Well, yeah, I mean, I could read that because, like, you know, the ones that um, – is that Android's Dream of Electric Sheep? Yeah. So he did the original thing that Blade yeah. Runner was, was based on. Yeah. yeah, I read that because he's, like, you know, he was lean and poetic and, you know, thoughtful. There was a yeah. – uh, he could create a tone with his language. Yeah. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Same I mean, with Boward, I think. Yeah. And I've, I've always dug Burroughs, and Burroughs will go to space occasionally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ballard had this amazing house, actually, just down the street from Shepperton Studios in London, where we shot Moon. And I was, I was always amazed whenever you drive past it. It's just, it is the most quaint, normal-looking cottage of just, course. Just, I mean, <laughs> like, what, I mean, what, I think all those guys with the imagine. It's like it's like Tolkien too. Like I never was a Hobbit guy. But like he seemed like a just a proper guy who lives in a cottage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but that, but that's where the, these are the same. See, this is the same thing I was asking about your dad. Is like, does he live in a spaceship? You know, like, did you grow up and where did you go? But I have to assume like Britain has a certain thing. Like they have you know the the intellectual uh, life and also the you know, the fantastical artists that live there. They yeah. always end up even if it's a big house, it yeah, looks like a fucking normal. Hobbit house. <laughs> you, you know, like it looks like like a, a English countryside. Yeah. Like the, the the most cool house you're going to get in Britain, you're going to be like, oh, that's like a British house. That's a farm, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like you know, like your dad didn't live in like some modern fucking weird. He did not. We never lived in a big modern crazy house. You no, lived in an English house. It was we no. Well, we I, we lived in other countries, but oh. but it was never. They were never crazy houses. Yeah, yeah. So all right. So you're reading Ballard. You're reading you know these things, and it, wait, how? So when do you start kind of chipping away at the vision? You know, did that second short. Um, no, I mean, I was I, I was always interested in 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 making films, even yeah. if it was just sort of as a hobby. Right. Um, you know, one of the things I, I never really got into music. It was it was never something that felt like an actual fit to me. Yeah. Uh, I think I kind of pushed away from it. Um, but one of the things that I always did enjoy you pushed away from music. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, didn't want to play guitar. Didn't want to do drums. Didn't want to play <laughs> you're, saxophone. You're didn't surrounded wanna... by it. <laughs> and I was constantly, you know, urged to learn an instrument <laughs> by who? By by dad. And yeah. I just I just wasn't interested. So, but like when you're a it. kid, it's like weird Mick Ronson hanging around, and you know these guys who <laughs> play guitar with him, like you know were Dennis they... Davies, amazing drummer. So, yeah. You know, he was trying to teach me drums, and I just like no, no, I want to do, <laughs> do, do drums. Did you meet like Fripp and those guys when you were a kid? I I, I met a lot of people. 
people when I was a kid, but, but most you know, of them were they, just they're just guys dudes. who work with your dad. Yeah. So you're like, no, nah, no music for me. Yeah. Do you like listening to it? Um, n- not with any great, you know, enthusiasm. It was just, it was just work. It's like watching your dad do accounting. You know, right, I, but, but everybody has to have a little music in their soul. I'm not telling you whether your dad was who he was or not. <laughs> like you don't have to turn your back entirely on enjoying music. <laughs> you know, you know, nothing, nothing resonates. No classical. I listen, I listen to a lot of, uh, I listen to a lot of CNN. Oh yeah. Okay. And, uh, sure. I watch a lot of news. Yeah. I, I, I get that too. And That's I, it. You know? These are not helpful things. I know, but it's not. It's not music. No, it's not music. <laughs> so you, you but that is that's kind of when you when people ask me, what do you listen to? I, oh, oh. I listen you, you, to, you tell me. You... I listen to Mark Maron. Yeah. Oh, well, thank NPR you. NPR. Oh, good. Well, CNN, uh, MSN. <laughs> but sometimes when I want to really punish myself, I watch some Fox. Right. You, know, just... <laughs> you never. You never think to listen to music. No, not really. Huh. That doesn't that strike you as odd? No, it's it's almost too obvious. <laughs> like, oh, you mean like so? There's two kinds of people. Like, if they there's uh, people who grew up with, uh, and this is just a, an analogy. Yeah. Like uh, people who grow up with uh, fathers who smoke. Yeah. They either they smoke or they they're they totally against it. Right. Yeah. Same with yeah. booze. Same with anything. <laughs> so because your dad was immersed in music, yeah, you're just sort of like, nah, it doesn't register. It doesn't yeah. register yeah. with me. But but he did. He but he also spent a lot of time with me with cameras and teaching me how to film and edit and he, he he got me this beautiful little you know super eight camera when i was a kid yeah um and taught me how to edit and um that took that i loved so oh yeah from an early age and was he always on board did he like yeah through, like yeah i think so in fact i think he was he was waiting for me to get back into being interested in film when i went off on this on this academic philosophy. jaunt oh really? yeah <laughs> for three years yeah, yeah. But I think it seems to have served you somehow. I mean, I have to assume that studying philosophy at a graduate level for three years has got to do something. Yeah, it I has mean, to inform it's, something. It's no, it's uh, it's no coincidence that that three years of of Sam Bell on the far side of the moon is the same amount of time I spent in graduate school in Nashville, Tennessee. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so that you know that that movie. So the. You just went right into film. You didn't have any other interests in your life that you were thinking about pursuing. Oh, I, I, I kind of, I, I dipped my toe into computer games. I worked at a computer games company in London for a couple of years when I was when I was there. Early um, on, this was no, this was actually um, af- just after just after uh, film school. Right. So I was trying to pay, you know pay the rent with the with working at this games company. And with the money that I was saving there, I was spending it on these low-budget music videos and things to try and build up my show reel so I could hopefully move into commercials. Did you ever do any commercials? Yeah, I did a bunch of commercials in the UK. Yeah? yeah? Before I did Moon, that's what that's what I was doing. I worked at an advertising agency. And music videos? Uh, yeah, yeah. There's a guy called Nick Armstrong. Yeah. Uh, who wrote a song called Broken Mouth Blues. Yeah. You should, you should listen to that. It's fun. Is it and it's your video? That's one of the yeah, one of the videos I did. And it's a blues song or is it no, it's not kind really? of no, not really a blues song. So you're directing music <laughs> videos and you don't give a shit about music. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> I then concentrate on the visuals. And you're de- the music's made. Right. When you do when you do a music video, you're not trying to make the music. You're just you're just putting visuals to the music. And do you get to script all that? Is that on you? Um yeah, I do the scripting and then obviously I have to run it past the the bands and the record companies and make sure everyone signs off on it. But yeah. at the budget I was doing the mat, which was super low. Yeah. It kinda as long as you deliver something they're happy oh so you were that guy you were you weren't doing the high level ones no i wasn't doing the high level ones what about the commercials were you just doing like those got those got bigger those got bigger and better i saw yeah and you do you like ketchup you like heinz ketchup sure i I did one of those yeah i I like heinz Heinz ketchup ketchup, is that it was that the angle was that what they said (laughs) do you like ketchup or are you just asking me (laughs) i was just asking you (laughs) about 
<laughs> I thought that was the ad. I'm like, I do like Heinz you ketchup. See, I'm, I'm good I at this. I prefer Heinz ketchup. <laughs> there is no other ketchup. We're writing an ad right now. Is there another ketchup? Why does Heinz even need to advertise? It's, it's, it's the just, ketchup. To rem- just to remind you how much you like them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't forget you know, it. It's like tradition. Yeah, don't go over to Del Monte or whatever they got in you England. Don't call. You should call me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Call your mom. What Call Heinz. It? That's it. That's what. That's the subtext. <laughs> that's that's what it should be. <laughs> <laughs> Remember us. Don't forget. Uh, you what? didn't put ketchup on your hot dog. Yeah. Oh, who does that? <laughs> <laughs> that's not a ketchup thing. Fries, chips. Come on. <laughs> so you don't you don't really spend much time in Britain anymore. Um, we, we were out there for post-production on mute so so we shot in Berlin and then we went to London and we were there for a while oh. um, but we had a little baby so it was, it was really hard to, Do you have one to be kid? traveling so much yeah the second one's due in April so oh my god very soon that's soon yeah how old's the, uh, the one um, 19 months wow these are little kids yeah so you're not sleeping much no <laughs> <laughs> it's part of, that doesn't help with the anger no <laughs> you're, you're up all night because the kid's crying and you're night. reading the fucking news exactly uh, it's like you know the world is ending and now what am i going to do with this, this is, king this is a phase <laughs> mark right it's just a phase I, I, I don't have any but i hear they grow up i okay. hear that yeah but you just you got another one coming so yeah. it's back to back i know i know it'll be a few years of fun but do you but the kid's good he's amazing all right, so let's get to, like, so with Moon, how long did you... But I have to assume that when you're doing commercials and music videos, yeah. you're learning the shit. You're getting, you're learning to, you're, yeah. your way around a camera. That's why I wanted to do it. Yeah. Right. Especially on the lower budget level, because, you you know, you get a chance to, to experiment and try crazy, stupid shit, and, and uh, hopefully it all comes together, and you, you pick out the stuff which is working, and you realize why people have turned away from stuff that doesn't work. Right. And 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 so oh, and you learn that in a hands-on way, and you yeah. can fail without it costing exactly. anyone a lot of money. Exactly. <laughs> you yeah. Just you, you just sort of get you get frustrated, and and uh, maybe the band gets upset, <laughs> but no one's like, "You're never working again. You just yeah. lost fifty million dollars." Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So when do you start thinking about Moon, and how how does that sort of come together? Because obviously, you know, Sam thinks a great deal out of of you to to kind of pop up in this movie in a very <laughs> passive way. Yeah. So um, well, I've been working. I've been working in in these these adverts for for about for a couple of years, and yeah. and um, had had this uh, mentor, a guy called Trevor Beatty, who's a who's a, a big deal in the advertising industry in the UK, and I'd been working for him, basically writing commercials and then directing them. Um, so uh, uh, he was a mentor in, in copywriting and in filmmaking. Uh, more more in copywriting and also just as as a supporter of of, um, of your creativity, of my, my creativity, and. Uh-huh. Um, I told him that you know I was probably going to leave advertising because I really wanted to try and move into feature films, and would he be interested in maybe helping me out if I did a little British film? And and he was kind of the first person to put some support behind me when we made Moon in the form of money. In form of money. Uh huh. Yeah. Um, and then we were able to find some other people who helped. And you out. wrote Moon, right? Uh, co-wrote it is the is the fair way to say. It. I wrote the I, I wrote the treatment, so the story is mine. I wrote the treatment. Yeah, a very talented guy called Nathan Parker came in and wrote the first draft, and then we bounced back and forth. You know, I'd write a draft, he'd write a draft, and you got a full now. Um, it, it, forgive me for asking. Yeah, but uh, you know, did you were, you didn't think to ask your dad for money? I've tried to you know all as much as possible wherever I can separate yourself towards my own right. path. You know, I, I imagine that. Yeah, and I, and forgive me if I keep bringing it up occasionally. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I, you know, but because because I look, I've had 
I had Jacob Dylan in here. Yeah. You know, and he doesn't want to talk about Bob Dylan at all. I but, I understand. <laughs> I don't want to talk about him either. Who Bob Dylan? Bob Dylan. <laughs> <laughs> but but there comes a point where I'm asking him about songwriting yeah. and I'm like, yeah, what are you going to do? And I'm like, do you don't talk to him. He's like, of course. Of course I talk to him. <laughs> he's, my, he's, my, he's my father, for Christ's sake. Yeah. Know? And I'm like, do you understand him? He's like, yes, I understand. <laughs> because I, I guess it's difficult. And, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm. Look, there's this weird little group of, of us who don't, who don't know each other, who don't know each other, but all have the same experience, whether it's me or Jacob or or Stella McCartney, right? Or um, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, Julian Lennon, right? You know, there's all these kids, right? That um have had to find, you know, what? How are we gonna be people that we actually can live with, right? You and know, the, and and um, we've all found different paths. The the ones you've mentioned, you know, I I don't know how Julian's doing, yeah. but it seems like the the other ones have done all right. Yeah, I mean, I think you know, it's it's it's, it's it, everyone's experiment. No, no one, there is no there is no uh, uh, right. textbook on how to right. how to be this. Not in the modern world, you know. No. Like, yeah, you know, I imagine, like, you know, I think you know some of the Marx Brothers have kids, and I don't think anyone gave that much of a shit, you know. But when you know, in the modern world where these people are mythic people, you yeah. know, that they're that large, yeah. I mean, it's a whole. You know, you don't you guys. Don't don't keep in touch there's not a there's not like an email <laughs> no, an, an we email. have our own facebook is that <laughs> <laughs> I talked to mark today <laughs> don't go in he's just gonna bring up your dad he's just gonna bring up bob dylan <laughs> over and no over no matter again. what he's gonna pretend like he doesn't want to talk about your famous <laughs> parent but he'll bring it up over and over again <laughs> that's funny so you never met anybody of your ilk and had the conversation like how are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> I've met I've met a few people, and, but no, we've never had the conversation. I'm actually fascinated to though. One day, I'll uh, you to know, talk to the we'll McCartney a, kids or the we'll have a, an anonymous like a you know, chat with uh, celebrities with anonymous celebrity kind of offspring so yeah, anomalous. Celebrity offspring <laughs> well, I mean, you're fortunate in that the name doesn't travel. Do you know what I mean? You can you know you get yeah. under the radar. I noticed that you did yeah. dedicate the movie to him, which yeah. is nice. Yeah. Um, because it does, you know, end up being about parenting parents. to a, to a, to, yeah, it is about parents, isn't it? Yeah. So b before we get to that, I just want to talk about the, the Sam Rockwell thing. Cause I, I like that guy. He's great. And I think, you know, hopefully this is the year for, for, for Oscars and stuff. Not that that it feels like it. It, it feels, feels like it. it. Yeah, it feels like it. Did you uh, see that film? Did I did. You, yeah. I did. I saw He's it. He's amazing in it. He's great. Yeah, yeah he really did and it. Francis McDormand is mind-blowing. great. She's but the amazing. thing, but Sam did something that he never did before is that he, he shut something off to turn something else on. Do you, you know what I mean? Yeah. Because Sam is great, but he relies on a lot of Sam juice. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. like- Yeah, yeah, he, you're right. You're right. You know, so he kind of, he tempered that Sam juice to make this guy have a different depth, different, you know, he can do different characters, but this guy was like- there was, you know, yeah. he shut something off. Yeah, it's like I don't know if he'd look at it that same. Maybe that's not exactly the right wording. There was no, there was but no it, dance break. That's right, and <laughs> it was almost like when Nicholson did Pritzy's Honor. I don't know if you yeah. saw Pritzy's Honor. Yeah, where he he just like, oh, yo, he's playing this guy, and he, you know, he shut off Jack. Yeah, he shut off that charm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that's and very true. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, and and then and then all of a sudden it's like, hey, he can do it. He can really do it. You know. <laughs> Because, like, you know, movie stars, they, you know, they come to the table, some of them, that with so much charisma that, you know, you, you don't need to, 
Yeah. The, you know, the necessity to do much of anything is they limited. Just, they just charm the audience and sure. that's it, job in, done. In one way or another, you know, they, it doesn't, I'm not taking anything away from them. They obviously have a, like someone like George Clooney yeah. is roughly George Clooney. Yeah. No matter what. You know, but that's yeah. good. You kind of, <laughs> yeah. And I think Sam is sort of like that. You know, like you know, I didn't come here to watch some schlub on the screen. Yeah, yeah. I want George Clooney. Exactly. We George Clooney. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Don't don't take too much of the Clooney out of this guy. <laughs> but he's got a lot of range too. It's very interesting that because yeah. I've had that conversation before with people where, or maybe just with myself, where you know the, a movie star fundamentally can be a great actor, yeah. but you're always going to sort of see them. You know, there are character actors that sort of get lost in everything and they don't have the same sort of like uh, level of intensity or the same level of know of you know them as movie stars, but they just kind of move through characters in a different way. But like Brad Pitt or, or Clooney or some of these other cats, like they can do all these other characters. Yeah. But well, you, let me give you an example. Yeah. Paul Rudd. In, yeah, in, your, in your movie. In now, but, you know, I, I want to talk to you about that. About the dynamic there, yeah. because like, <laughs> like I liked the movie. I like Mute. I yeah. liked it, and I yeah. and I thought like it, it was beautiful. And I and when I read, you know, that you had you had spent so you had such a long commitment to this. That was sort of what I was getting at. Was that you know you did this thing with with uh, with Sam? How long did that take? Moon. Oh, uh, Moon was uh, thirty days shooting. And but but when was the story done? Like what was the total oh, it was, commitment? It was it was fa- oh, one year. Oh really? It was it was nine. It was basically I had a meeting with him because I wanted him to be in mute. Um, but this is before Moon. Yeah. And I wanted him to play the character that Justin Theroux ended up playing up, J- Duck. So I had the meeting with him. He wanted to play the the lead, Leo, and I said no. You just don't. You know, it's not going to work out. So I said, but I really want you to be in my first film. I'm going to write you something. I so went away and wrote Moon. Oh, so you pitched him Mute first. So, I pitched him so Mute So Mute first. was like festering with you before Moon. 16 years I was trying to make Mute. What the fuck? So like you were like 20 to 25? God, how old was I? What am I now? 40. Maybe 30 You're 40. Uh, so like- uh, 30. So you're 30 when you yeah. come up with this idea. Yeah. Now, what was it at that time in your life that made you so hung up on this story? What was the exact, like without giving away the ending, yeah. what was the one-liner that you know the what was the poetry of this thing because this is a very human movie and it's not yeah moon is too like now i'm starting to see the whole you know sci-fi you know human <laughs> so, you know because these are not you're not dealing with aliens no you may be robots around but not but they're not yeah it's, it's not about that right it's not about robots these are character movies they just happen to be in futuristic settings so what was yeah. it that got you hung up on on this story where'd the story come from for you for mute for for mute it was it was it was two things it was i wanted to make i wanted the technical challenge of a, of a lead who didn't talk i wanted a protagonist who didn't say a word because i thought if i could pull that off in the same way with moon we have sam rockwell playing multiple characters who are separated by their age yeah and, and those made different people just because they had different life experiences yeah um it, with with leo i wanted to see can i can i create a character that the audience is actually going to get to know even though they never say a word. So that was part one. The other part was I was a huge, well, I am a huge fan of Robert Altman's MASH. No, I think, see, that's yeah. what I was going to ask you. Why yeah. the nod to Trapper and Hawkeye? I mean, More like, than a nod. It's, it's, it's like them. It's, <laughs> except it's them gone bad. You gone know, it's, totally bad. And, 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 it's, and, and I love that film, and I love the relationship between those two guys, between Trapper John and Hawkeye Pierce, but they've always come across to me as, they think they're the smartest guys in the room. They probably are the smartest guys in the room. And they're funny, and you wish that they were your friends too. But then the more you watch them and the more you think about them, the more you realize these guys are actually kind of mean. 
There's there's something kind of nasty about them. You know, they can be mean, I guess is what it is. Right. And that's why I decided, well, why do I feel that way? And what is it about them? And I have a, you know, I growing up and and living in houses with a bunch of other guys, just when you're trying to live in the city and it's too expensive and you live with four or five other guys, you get to, you know, you get to live out of other people's pockets sometimes, you know, and you get that friendship and it can, it's kind of a love hate thing where you're kind of pissed off with people and, and you love them at the same time. And, and I wanted to see that relationship, but just turned up a little bit and just made a little bit meaner. And that's where Cactus and Duck came from. These, these guys are morally bankrupt Which, motherfuckers. Yeah, but you, I mean, I don't know. Maybe you didn't feel it, but you're charmed by them for the, you know, the, at the beginning of the film. They're, they're funny and they're, they're smart and, and, they're, and they're kind of like the, you coolest, don't know what's up, they're the right. coolest guys in the room. Yeah, but, like, but I think what you did, like you know, now if I'm going to rethink, <laughs> yeah. you know, MASH. Yeah. Is that, and I think you captured a little bit of it by, you know, you did make them veterans. So, yeah. so you, and in MASH, you see the carnage every day. Yeah. And so you see the sort of detachment that is necessary. Yeah. And, and certainly that, uh, that Sutherland's character, uh, is he Pierce or is he Hawkeye or is he Trapper? Uh, uh, he's, Haw- he's Hawkeye. Hawkeye. Uh, struggling with it, you know, and both of them struggling to a degree, just the relentlessness of war. It is an anti-war movie. To, yeah. To, so... So, like, they do have to create... They, there's obvious cynicism that's going to happen in that environment. Yeah. Hey, hey, listen, I love the movie, too, and I love those characters. So, yeah. I, I under, don't get defensive about them, Mark. I, I love those characters. Yeah. But at the same time, when they don't like something, when they see an injustice in the world, they they can become very mean. Yeah. And, and they do it from the right place. Right. But at the same time, when you see that, it's very easy to see, well, what if they... What if it comes from the wrong place? What if they just want to, you know, what if they're vindictive? Uh-huh. What if they just hate someone? It's weird you that know? you landed on those two characters. Of all the characters in the history of film <laughs> that you decided to to, to make into uh, these, uh, to, to, to kind of riff on, yeah. uh, more, uh, on a morality level, yeah. you picked those two guys. Yeah. Now, what is your experience with Altman in general? Are you a big Altman fan? I'm a or big just- MASH fan in particular. I mean, yeah. I, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I know some of his other films. Like McCabe but... and Mrs. Miller is my fucking movie. That's, oh, really? I like that one. But, yeah, and I like Mash too. Yeah, you know, and it, like, but like McCabe and Mrs. Miller, I watch over and over again. I think, I think what I, you know, I, I think why I gravitate to Mash is that is that that brotherly bond. Um, you know, that to me was always such an interesting relationship. You, you see, loving. You see, you see men-women relationships all the time, and you see, you know, you, you see other kinds of relationships. But that's the strangeness of of male bonding. I think is is something that I find really kind of intriguing. Uh-huh. You a Peckinpah guy? Uh, not. I mean, I I I know Peckinpah films, but no, I'm not not in any kind of yeah. Because like you know, it, like because there's like uh, the end of Straw Dogs, you know, like where <laughs> where it's just Dustin Hoffman, the the mathematician, and and the local pedophile. <laughs> driving away yeah you know as the, the the closing marriage of the film in a way yeah getting out uh you know that's some dark man shit he's real good with dark male shit bonding dark <laughs> yeah. male bonding yeah is the peck and pot thing you know you may should do a i need to to do yourself a film festival yeah exactly. you know, watch the wild bunch and then yeah. you could see bob dylan maybe talk to jacob about it <laughs> and then uh circles circles i love it they're very clever <laughs> <laughs> when you do for those who haven't Jacob. seen this room it's it's just a circle there are no corners to hide in it all ends up in bob dylan <laughs> doesn't everything <laughs> really 
So, but, but like, okay, so you, because I, I, I'm wary to give away too much about the dynamic, but yeah, Paul Rudd, who, like, as we were saying before, movie star, who is you generally cute, yeah, uh, you know, starts out cute here. And, and, and when I felt him starting to get menacing in the movie, yeah, I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to, to, <laughs> to I'm not going to be able to suspend oh, my right. disbelief, yeah, to believe that he's a fucking monster, yeah. Um, but you know, he does, he gets there, you get there, he gets there. <laughs> Justin Thoreau, I, I'm never clear about anyway so right. like, for him to, to shift morally or be a monster it I'm was like, too easy to be like yep yeah, yeah okay of course yeah like, I, I think he might really be like that like of course not that's a it's a lot to put on he's, a guy he's he, not that i need to say this but he's an amazing very funny very sweet guy and yeah i've met him i i gave him a ride once to okay. a thing yeah and uh you know and i do appreciate uh i'm a big fan of tropic thunder yeah and i, and yeah. I know like he he is a he part of the that. conception of yeah that. yeah he wrote uh, he wrote it and like uh and i talked to him he seemed like a good guy yeah yeah <laughs> And 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 you and what was the process of getting a Skarsgård? What's his first name again? Alexander. Alexander, Alexander Skarsgård. Yeah. Um, like you couldn't have. Who did you originally think when you know fifteen well, it was such years a long ago? Time ago. Um, yeah, but like who did you think that could Ray, do it? One of the guys was Ray Stevenson. I don't even know if you'd know him. There was a, a TV show on HBO called Rome. Did you yeah. ever see Rome? No. Nope. Um, he, he's he was he was in that in in that show, and I thought he was terrific in that. I mean, he 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 was really an interesting actor, Irish actor. Uh-huh. He's an amazing actor, and and um, you know, he, he I thought I thought he would be great, and then as you know, sixteen years later, you know, time, as time flew by, it just it um, you know, it, things moved on, and then um, saw Alexander in uh, it was um, gosh, what was that? What was that show called? Big Little Lies? Or what, no, no, no. This is a long time ago. Uh, Generation Kill. Uh-huh. Oh, I, right, I saw right, Alexander right. That in Generation Kill. That was the thought, war one. Yeah, I thought he was really interesting in that. So when I got the chance to, you know, look at the short list, because yeah. a short list of tall people is what I was looking for. Sure. Um, he was kind of, he was someone that I always thought, oh yeah, he, there, there is some, some real nuance and, and, and interesting things that he could do as an actor. Because I needed the physical presence of someone that, all of the people that he meets in the movie can bring their own baggage. They sort of see this big, quiet guy. Are they intimidated by him? Do yeah. they think he's a dummy? Do they think uh-huh. that he's just a tall, silent type? Um, but at the same time, I need a, a great actor who can, can who can carry that character when they're on their own and there's no dialogue to, to use hold as a crutch. It, to hold that character. That was yeah. some discipline. Yeah. And, yeah. and the vulnerability and strength of it. Yeah, absolutely. That was no easy trick. It's, it's, it's real acting. You know? it, it, it really was. <laughs> yeah. And what was it like being on the set with that? It's great. In between takes, he was talking as much as he could. <laughs> Is that true? <laughs> yeah, he's a funny guy. I yeah. mean, he's, he's, he's a fun person to be with. And I think, uh, you know, he had to kind of put himself in that place when we were doing takes. But how, you know, he is becomes mute is is the way the film opens. And it's it's pretty lurid. <laughs> <laughs> it's some sort of, I imagine it's not a riff on the opening of Sunset Boulevard. No, but I think, I, mean, I, I don't mind talking about it. It's right at the start of the film, but basically, you know, as a kid, he gets hit by a motorboat and, and the propeller cuts open his, his throat. But you don't see that. The movie opens with a kid floating in the water with his neck cut open. Yes. You, I mean, you put it together in a second. <laughs> and I wonder why the studios didn't want to make it. And we had to do it on Netflix. <laughs> is, that, is that really? The, it was too dark. It was, it was always considered too dark and too weird. And, you know, you, you've seen it. You know what the characters are like. And, you know, it's, 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 uh, it's a lot of ugliness, hopefully buoyed up by some, some charm and some humor and, and, um, and, and a, an ending that we can feel good about. No, I loved it. I love the ending. 
And I, you yeah. know, I didn't, I, I don't know, like, you know, I know that you talk about Blade Runner, um, but, you know, in terms of... Just aesthetic. I mean, it's just really having a that living... period? A living, breathing... That period of, of possible future? Yeah. yeah it's it's, it's science, set in a similar period. Yeah, exactly. It's science, it's science, it's a science fiction it's a, believable city. Right. Yeah, right. It's, it's set in a, in a, in a, uh, in the same fake... Uh, <laughs> manufactured uh, uh, possible future exactly while uh, Rutger Hauer is, is is walking around you know Highland Park yeah um, this is, is go- this is going on in Berlin exactly it's going on in Berlin but that movie like I haven't watched it in a while so that was it that was Ridley Scott did Ridley Scott yeah Ridley and, Scott made that and Tony Scott was he what was his uh, Tony the guy you met when you were Top kid? Gun was probably the one he's most well known didn't he do Top- the American Gangster too that Princeton. was Ridley. That was Ridley Scott. Uh, I like that movie. Yeah. I, like to, I can watch Denzel do anything. True Romance was a good Tony Scott. Yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. absolutely. That was uh-huh. a Quentin Tarantino script yeah. as well. Yeah, right. Days of Thunder. He did some big movies. Enemy of the State. What was that? Oh, yeah. That was uh, yeah, Will, yeah. Smith Will Smith and yeah, Gene yeah, yeah. Hackman. <laughs> Gene Hackman. Yeah. Why did he retire? <laughs> I know. He's so fucking good. French Connection. Oh, yeah. Anything. Any, the, yeah. the guy just... Uh, just had a thing yeah but the french connection when was the last time you watched that probably not that long ago it's just, great just right? for mood and tone I, th- I think we kind of watched it as part of sort of getting ready for mute oh, that's I'll- right because you're driving under the he's chasing the yeah, you see yeah <laughs> they're looking up and chasing yeah exactly yeah I, I, that's I, from I, french connection i know it i immediately knew it yeah i immediately fucking knew it yeah and then uh, paul schrader's hardcore as well was a big inspiration for this film oh my god do you remember that one? Sure do. I didn't realize he didn't direct it, but he wrote Hardcore. I thought he with, directed did, it. With George E. Scott? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Paul Schrader directed that. Oh, no wonder. I don't know why it put, didn't put that together. So that mixed with little sci-fi. That's kind of what, what I was going for. That little little Lee Marvin from Point, Point, Blank, Point Blank. You're right. He did it. Of course. Why? Of course that's fucking... I don't know why I didn't think and put that together. <laughs> <laughs> I just talked to Nick Nolte in here. Oh, really? Yeah, because like, you know, Paul Schrader, The Affliction, Taxi Driver, Autofocus was him writing and directing it. I think he did the third Exorcist, maybe. God, I didn't know about that. I, I think, but like, wow, man. See, like that just blows my mind because of, co- of course that's a fucking Paul Schrader movie, right? Yeah. Or I, hardcore? Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's straight out of his... his I mean, know, why what, wouldn't what I... He does. But like the, the but it, you can see the inspirations now of kind of where where it's at. I mean, it's not a, it's not a science fiction movie in that there's some technology and it's all about how that affects the world. It's not, right. It's, it's it's a you know seventies noirish thriller that happens to take place in the future. I talked to Elliot Gould in here too. You know, really? Oh yeah. I I would oh I would die to have Donald Sutherland and Elliot Gould watch this movie. I just that would be my dream. Oh yeah, just to I, be a fly on the wall with those guys watching this movie. I wonder what. Yeah, Elliot's kind of a you know he's a secure circuitous talker, yeah. a loopy dude, yeah, uh, it's sort of semi spiritual <laughs> kind of yeah. uh, you know ongoing. Like you feel like you know every time you talk to, to Elliot because I had him on my TV show, yeah, that you're entering the conversation mid conversation, <laughs> like. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? Like, you know, right when you start, you're like, whoa, whoa yeah. wait, what, back up? Wait, wait, yeah, where, what's where are we coming yeah. from? What are yeah, we talking exactly, about? Exactly. <laughs> that's, that's, that's his trip. And, you know, and then you think it's your fault. Yeah. You're like, wait, okay, I got to follow this. <laughs> so now the, the, the shooting it. Yeah. That, that must have been kind of tricky. So, I mean, you did shoot in Berlin. Was that necessary? Um, maybe not 100%, but, uh-huh. but it was necessary for me. Um, budgetarily or 
No. I mean, it would have been probably cheaper to find some other European, Eastern European city to shoot in. But, but it seems like a lot of it was on set. Uh, no. Half and half. It was 50% in sets that we built yeah. um, in, in at at Studio Babelsberg, where Fritz Lang shot Metropolis. Oh, so there so you go. So that's amazing. So we, we, but did you, do, did you go there on purpose? Yeah. Because of that? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> okay. So you got a little, yeah. little, little mysticism going. Well, I, I don't know if it's mysticism or just I got a, you know, I got a filmmaker chubby about the idea of being at- um, yeah, But you're telling me you didn't Studio think there was magic in there? No, I don't, I don't believe in that stuff. No. How can you be? <laughs> <laughs> Fucking every goddamn. Oh my god! All right. And then the other half of the film was shot in locations around Berlin. So, yeah. and and what's the the beauty of being in Berlin is that we were able to find places that we would have never have thought to look for. You know, what is Berlin like now? It, it's amazing. It's this incredibly dynamic, fast changing, artistic city that really is right now. I think at the at the uh, at the at the at the crash of Eastern and, and Western civilization. I mean, hmm. between all the Eastern European and Russian immigrants coming into into Berlin and all the Turks coming up, and and um, and then those from the West who want to come there for some kind of artistic inspiration. It's it's an amazing, incredibly vibrant place. But it's a, I, I would imagine that artistic uh, inspiration is different than when your old man did like Heroes there because. Yeah. Because that was the the Cold yeah. War thing. Now, now was what was it was dark, right? It yeah. was like Fassbinder and you well, know, it was like, it was it was cheap, is what it was. You oh, know, really? Back, back when my dad went there, we were broke because he'd been you know he had no money. Yeah. Um, and we went to Berlin, and he was trying to sort of you know find himself and clearing himself up, right. and, and things like that. Um, these days, it's more of a no, an artistic mecca. It's kind of just somewhere that that a lot of people want to go. So there's light. for inspiration. Absolutely, it's yeah. Uh, I, think, I think people are. Want to go there because they want to be inspired, whereas we went there out of necessity. Yeah, and, and it was dark and gloomy, and, yeah. and and what was coming out of there felt like that—the yeah. tension <laughs> of the Cold War and yeah. what and the disposition that was left over from the Second World War. But I would say, in all cases, whether it was back then or now, yeah. it, it's always had this this really interesting energy. It 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 feels not an energy in a you know in a super supernatural way. Why, why are you so Just, against that? I mean, come on, you, 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 you come from magic. Own it. <laughs> <laughs> um it's just it's just it just feels like there there is a a sense that things are changing and people are excited about the change then right it's interesting though that like you don't have any of that uh, you, I, you know and i and i and i don't always either I, yeah. i'm not a full believer yeah. in uh you know in in mystical ideas but the idea of of making science fiction movies is magic <laughs> movies I, are magic I, I, now I'm, I'm watering down my like I, <laughs> I, you go to where Fritz Lang shot Metropolis and you're just sort of like yeah just a nerd thing not like you know <laughs> not, now we can pull some of the energy yeah no I will yeah, be a yeah. conduit I, for this power <laughs> none of that no alright <laughs> alright dude so what about the what, now since this was something that evolved in your mind yeah. what, why the Amishing? did you get that from the movie Witness no that was uh, that was four years in Worcester Ohio Amish country so, oh that's where so that came when from. I was at college there and, and you know when I was thinking about the film and you know why is this guy in the future not able to talk surely the technology would, would exist as, as you see in the film but 
to me, it made sense. Well, it's probably a religious reason. And if it's a religious reason, how did, you know, what religion is it? Amish makes sense. Why did the Amish end up in Germany? Well, in the same way that the Jews have come to Israel because they've been called to come back to the homeland. In my crazy idea of the future, the German, you know, German uh, politicians have wanted to draw all Germanic people back to Germany to try and reinvigorate, you know, uh -huh. um, cultures and, and traditional German morals. And they've asked the Amish to come back to Germany. Um, that's the backstory. That's the kind of, yeah, my, my idea is that after Angela Merkel and the mass immigration of other cultures into Germany, there would yeah. be a backlash. And that backlash would involve far-right German parties asking white Germanic people to come back to Germany. The Amish sort of were originally uh, uh, Germanic? Switzerland, Germany. Yeah, that, Is that's that true? The, really? Yeah. And they came over with the big, uh, the big need to have the Midwest farmed. Like, why did they end up here? I, I think, think it was, was. I think it was like a second phase of of freedom of religion and the chance to to live their lifestyle the way they wanted without being interfered with. Right. Um, and America seemed to be the place to do that. And I think that, it, like, for, if I'm remembering properly, the book "The Great Plains," that there was a, like sort of an open invitation to people that were able to farm in rough terrain yeah. to come and have land in the States if they would figure out how to make the fucking land work <laughs> in the Midwest. Wow, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, like that's yeah. where you get like Scandinavian, that's where you get winter wheat. Yeah. That like these people that come from generations of farming hard land, yeah. they're like, we'll give you some if yeah. you can come make it work here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, okay, so the Amish. Well, that, now why, when you're scripting it, why, what, what's the decision to not include some of that rich bizarro backstory there's only you know you want to make a movie that tight that, that yeah you want to make a movie tight we did shoot some stuff we, we we had some some things that were there to fill that out but just in the editing process you you go to the core of what what is the story that we're that we're trying to tell mm -hmm. i i like the like i i like the way that they're like i'm i'm a i there's there's several movies for for evil intent and and also for good reasons have the uh, the the trinket recurring trinket yeah yeah, you like the trinkets. I like the recurring trinket yeah. that ties a that where, where the whole movie gets tied together with the trinket. Yeah, you know, like <laughs> rosebud. Yeah, yeah, it's a sled. She <laughs> just ruined that movie for oh spoiler words on people. the uh, Citizen Kane. It's a fucking sled. It's a sled. <laughs> Sorry, but <laughs> too early, too soon. Yeah, but too believe me, now that everything's available, people <laughs> yeah. will accuse you of spoiling movies yeah. that are fifty years old because they haven't gotten to it yet. <laughs> yeah, you know, fuck yeah, you. You can't talk. You can't yeah. talk about anything. It's a sled. Uh, you know, <laughs> Scheider kills the shark. Uh, <laughs> oh man! I, but I am glad that it did have that poetically uh, there's a head in the box there's a head in the box <laughs> <laughs> this is, they had a poetically satisfying ending you know yeah had your father seen some of your work did he watch moon yeah yeah no, he, did he, he did he came to sundance to watch it oh yeah yeah which was amazing because he didn't like to travel much by the by that point he, yeah you know he already wasn't wasn't keen on traveling but he came out to sundance and we had an amazing time um watching you know having having him in the audience watching moon with me um, oh wow so that was great yeah and, um he must have been proud did he say it yeah yeah uh, no uh, he was he's he's always been very very supportive of of anything that i tried to do because i you know I, i've tried to i've tried to take stuff seriously you know i try to do it properly right so, right hard worker 
I, I try to be. Well, he definitely was too. Yeah. I mean, if there's one thing you got, that, <laughs> that yeah. guy was always working. Yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah. It took me a long time to work it out, what I wanted to do. But when I when I got there, I, I, I go for it. And what about, how many siblings you got? Um, I've got uh, half, I have two half sisters and one stepsister. Oh yeah? Yeah. And does everyone get along there? Um, well, they're all really different ages, and no, I mean, there's, there's yeah. you know, I, I I keep in contact mainly with my my one half sister, who's Iman's daughter. Uh huh. Um, you know that she's the one that I'm closest to of of the three. Oh yeah, in age? Um, uh, no, I mean huge difference. Oh, I'm, I'm thirty years older than her. Oh wow. So wow, you know, my relationship is more as like a fun uncle. Oh good. <laughs> well, that's nice that you you show yeah. up and you yeah. know and and they're part of your and they're part of your family. Yeah. Like you know they know yeah. your kid. Yeah. And, Ah, see, that makes me happy. <laughs> <laughs> but here's a question: yeah. in terms of this science fiction thing, and in terms of uh, you know, your your life in general, do you think, <laughs> yeah, that 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 your your sort of obsession with it is a way to uh, to to uh, manage your own feelings, like to get away from them, or to? No, I mean, you know, I I definitely see Moon. <clears throat> moon in partic- moon and mute in particular were are, are therapy in their own way uh-huh. um, I channel a lot of my own stuff into my movies as much as possible even something as 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 uh, superficially commercial as Warcraft which was this big you know fantasy film that I made I I channeled a lot of personal stuff into that too that was from um, based on the game that was based on the game and who who did did a lot of people enjoy that movie it did well internationally it did not do great here in the US so it was kind of a weird one it's uh, you know, did Warcraft fans like it um pretty split between loving it and and those who were just you know fuck this he doesn't get it yeah exactly but it was it was it was a good split you but know, wasn't I, that your audience though I mean those were I mean you were banking on at least half of them <laughs> were you right yeah but yeah. Um, you know it, did you play it, Warcraft it was what it was yeah I played Warcraft yeah uh-huh. when I was in graduate school <laughs> <laughs> so I well so then along that same line. What what were you working out in Moon? Like in terms of emotionally, how did that- well in, in Moon? I was I was going through a long distance relationship at the time, mm. um, and I had just left. You know, well, not just left, but I I had I, it was recent enough graduate school, three years of graduate school, feeling totally alienated from the from the culture and the place where I was. Yeah, that um that I felt very isolated. Um, so that's what was going into Moon. Oh, interesting. Um, and the long distance relationship obviously was part of it. Wow. Um, so that was. You know that was the, the the sort of therapy side of Moon, and then Mute Mute really does have a pretty strong subtext about parenting and about you know what parenting can do to you and what your respons- responsibilities are as a parent to um to to look after those that you know that are looking up to you. Yeah. Now, when he's um like when he's drinking when he's drinking the water like he drinks it, yeah. You know, like yeah. Was that to is he constantly trying to transcend you know to the trauma do you know like like all that time in the water yeah well the fact that water i mean it, again the, the film begins and ends with with water really um yeah that was something i took away from from a, 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 a i think it was a talk that uh, Takeshi Kitano gave uh-huh. about movies you know him beat no. Takeshi he's no. a japanese uh, actor and director uh-huh worth looking up his movies okay. if you haven't seen any of his he's fantastic yeah what what was it talking um, about it, it was it was really just about how it, 
going back to sort of spiritualism, but yeah. not believing in it, but just that, that there isn't. <laughs> you want to make that clear. He doesn't believe in magic. No, I doesn't do not believe in, in this. No but, spiritualism. But, He's um, got a math brain. But, <laughs> but I do I do like the idea that, you know, that life comes from water and, and, and in, a sto- in telling stories, I think that there is something which feels fundamentally right about a film or a story that begins at water and ends at water. It, it's kind of it's that circle that you're right, talking about sure, that cycle. Sure. So so I, I you know in a, in a I tried I tried to make that work in mute. And the wood yeah the wood shop that was interesting. <laughs> Throw that in. Yeah, he little, shows up with his yeah, uh, little, you know, hand little carved little his hand carved bat his though. big his big phallic bat that he's that he's <laughs> yeah, made yeah. about yeah. his love with, yeah. with dolphins on it. Oh, fish again. Fish and, and dolphins also you can breathe are, in and out of water. I mean, it's it, there are a couple of little semi semi um, uh, hidden uh, allusions to, to to dad and what he did, and obviously in Heroes, there's this whole dolphin theme in that. So, oh yeah, you know, there, there's there's kind of stuff throughout the film that's a little more subtle. Well, I felt that like I because I you know, I had to keep I had to think that because it was in Berlin, yeah, and that you know. He certainly had written songs about futurescapes. Yeah, but I didn't know there was a dolphin thing in Heroes. Yeah, what is it? Uh, it's it's in the lyrics. Oh yeah, if dolphins get swim, <laughs> uh, of course. <laughs> well, I hope I didn't offend you by talking no, about him a little bit. Not at all. And uh, and I love the movie. This is the this is the fourth film I've made, and I always promise myself if people bring it up on my fifth film, I'm going to stab them. Really. Yeah, is that what really? is that what, is that part Mark, of what's making you angry? I won't really? bring it up. I won't bring it up. Really, but <laughs> I think all people want. It's like the weird thing is, yeah. is that I don't want you to tell me stories about him. Yeah. I want to know what kind of guy he was, because <laughs> all we know, yeah. you know, we've got about ten to su- to choose from. Oh, there's so many books. There's but so many Bowies. You can choose your own. You can choose your own. Right. Version. So like when I got you, I'm like, <laughs> does he just eat like a person? Does yeah. he? You know? He, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's all that's i'm not I, i'm not i'm not taking away from your talent I, I i love what you do you become a fine man a great director and you know he was a great at what he did you're totally different but it's nice to know that uh he was a good dad just and, just promise know. me when my when my son has a has a career as a dancer that you <laughs> ask him all about <laughs> you me i just, don't think, just me just I talk do, about me i don't think i overdid it today no you do you no you got away with it Oh, thank God. <laughs> I, I know there was a frozen, you froze up for a second. I'm like, oh, but <laughs> didn't stop me. No, didn't stop me no, from you, weaving you're it You're a pro. And you volunteered the dolphin thing. I did. I did. Thank you for doing that. Yeah, you're welcome. And uh, it was great talking to you. Yeah, you too. Thanks, Mark. Okay, that's our show. Go to WTFPod.com for all your WTF Pod needs. Go to the tour, WTFPod.com slash tour for my dates in uh, London, Oslo, Stockholm, Amsterdam, and Dublin, and also Pasadena. I can play guitar because I got these, I hooked up these boxes. And I hooked them up the last time I played, and, I, and it was fun, so I'm going to do it again. All right? Okay.